Open your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 7. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the gift of your word. Thank you for the gift of community that you bring us together like this again, the gift of your church. But thank you for your word. We're gathering around your word. We're eager to hear from you and receive from you. We're asking by your spirit to ready our hearts. Lord, ready our hearts to, to be moved, to be shaped by your word. Lead us, we pray. Thank you so much for the forgiveness that is in Jesus. We pray it would just come alive today as we explore this beautiful story of grace and forgiveness. In Christ's name, amen. I want you to imagine a forgiveness that can overcome brokenness and shame, that can overcome everything anyone has ever said to you or done to you. It can overcome everything that you're tempted to believe about yourself. Here in Luke 7, we have this beautiful story of shame lifted, of forgiveness received, of faith expressed, and love displayed. It's a story that helps define why Jesus came. We learned last Sunday that Jesus has been meeting people right where they are. Places of desperation, places of loss and pain, places of questions and doubts. He healed the sick, he raised the dead. But now, this is the finale of Luke chapter 7. This is the culmination. Let's check it out, starting in verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see, do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Three things. First, the offensive actions of an uninvited sinner. 
Second, the costly love of a forgiven sinner. And third, the offensive actions and costly love of Jesus. First, I want to look at the offensive actions of this uninvited sinner. Three times the host is mentioned as a Pharisee. He's an expert in the observance of the Mosaic Law, one who would distance himself from sinners. He was part of a separatist movement. That's what the Pharisees were. But then three times, Luke also mentions this woman is a sinner. So there's this comparing and contrasting of the two from the, from throughout the, the story. And it was tradition for religious leaders of that day to invite traveling rabbis, traveling teachers, uh, to dine with them, to come into their home and, and share a meal. News had been spreading about Jesus at this time, and I wonder if Simon the Pharisee was thinking, all right, let's get this new young rabbi into my home and cross-examine the guy. Let's really investigate him. Let's, let's ask him a ton of questions. Let's figure out who this man really is. Let's see if he's a prophet. Now, I don't want you to think private mealtime with Simon the Pharisee. That's not what Jesus is experiencing in Simon's house. You see, people could come in and actually sit in the background, or we could say on the sideline, just outside where the meal was taking place. Most likely, the meal was taking place in Simon the Pharisee's courtyard. And so, uh, just think, this is the reality TV of the day. Uh, People of the town could have come, they weren't invited, but they could have observed the meal happening, and maybe heard the conversation. So it's open to the public. The meal would have been taking place. Jesus reclines on a couch. He's leaning his arm with his head towards the table. His body stretched out away from the table. His sandals would have been removed. They're gathered around the table. They're they're reclining around the table. That's how they ate in that day. They weren't sitting in chairs like you. Enter the unexpected intruder. Everyone in town knew who she was. Everyone knew she was a sinner because her sins were public. So most likely this is a prostitute. This woman risked a lot to go to this meal. She risked being rejected. She risked being thrown out or misunderstood. You see, every eye was on her. Expressions of judgment and disdain were just being thrown at her. She could feel it, no doubt. Here's what she did. She brought this expensive bottle of perfume, most likely with the intentions to anoint Jesus' head, an act of respect given uh, to an honored guest. And as she entered the home and approached the table where Jesus was reclining, here's what happened. She fell at his feet. She fell at his feet. And I, I think she was overcome, overcome with emotion because the tears began to flow. The tears fell on Jesus' feet. I'm sure you can imagine what this experience was like for her. You know, I I was watching um, a documentary on the Rolling Stones on on Netflix, I think it was, and uh, grown men, as the car that had the Rolling Stones in it, the truck, drove by, grown men were weeping at just the thought of being close to Mick Jagger, you know? They had, the, they had the mouth with the tongue hanging out on, in a t-shirt, and they're just like, they're falling to their knees on the side of the road, and they're weeping. They were big fans, really big fans. <laughs> I, I think of my own experience with being overcome in the presence of somebody. I, I remember running into Valerie's brain surgeon. So Valerie 
long time ago had brain surgery for a brain tumor. We can tell you about it another time. She's doing great. Um, it's not cancerous. It's not growing. They saved her life a few times. So I, I ran into the, the man who saved her life at Einstein's. He's in front of me. And I'm like, what do I say? This guy is rock star status to me. He saved my wife's life a few times. Uh, hey, how you doing? What, what bagel are you getting? Remember me? We love you. Yeah, I didn't say that. But then we saw him again in Target. I don't know why we keep having these sightings, but we're, we're documenting it. Um, we saw him in Target, and you bet we went in the same line that he was in. And because we're big fans, and we didn't know what to say then either, but we're just like, thank you, thank you, thank you for what you've done. You've changed our lives, and we're showing him pictures of our kids, and it's, he's probably thinking, all right, got to go. <laughs> Here's the deal. She comes into this room. She's overcome with emotion. She falls at his feet. The room must have been completely frozen. The people would have been completely horrified that she was doing this, Completely. Every single person wondering, what in the world is going on here? Who's going to stop this madness? Certainly Jesus is going to put a stop to this. But he doesn't. And it gets even more shocking. She begins to kiss his feet. And Jesus doesn't say, whoa, you've gone too far. Stop that. No, he doesn't stop her. The expression is one of honor and adoration, and he receives it. It's an extraordinary demonstration of of honor, of worship, of of humility. So she brings that to to him, and and yet he affirms what she's doing by receiving it, by not retracting his feet and like, whoa, come on. Does anyone know her? He doesn't do that. He receives it. She's kissing his feet. Then she lets her hair down. And and Jewish women did not unbind or let down their hair in public. It was considered a disgrace. It's something you did only for your husband in private. What she does is she wipes his feet with her hair. This woman knew all about disgrace and shame. She had carried it with her. She knew the painful feeling of humiliation the distress over wrong done and foolish actions on her part. Do you know anything of that? Anything of shame? Foolish actions on your part that you know were wrong. You're just like, man, I don't know if I could ever make up for what I did. And it just kind of haunts you. It's the weightiness of having done wrong and feeling there's nothing you could ever do to make up for it. She knew the feeling. She had a past. She knew what the cultural norms of the day were. She knew. If she let her hair down, if she exposed her hair and let it fall, she knew what the cultural norms were. She knew that it, it, would, have, it would have really rubbed everyone in that room the wrong way. But none of that mattered. Popular opinion didn't matter. Tradition didn't matter. The looks and the comments, no matter how inappropriate seemed to others, nothing else mattered in that moment. She wanted to honor and worship Jesus. That's what mattered. Have you ever had so much love for someone 
that it didn't matter what anyone else said or thought, you were going to declare your love to that person. I asked Valerie to marry me by uh, hiring a small plane with a banner. I thought that was pretty cool. We almost missed the plane. It's crazy. He came early, uh, but I didn't have a cell phone back then. Here we were on the beach, and it said, Valerie, will you marry me? Love, Darian. (laughs) So whoever Darian is is a very lucky man, but she said yes to me. Maybe, maybe you've declared your love in public uh, through a song, serenading your significant other. And you're just like, man, I'm not a, I'm not a vocalist, but I am. I wrote a song. I think you're beautiful. I love you. I'm going to sing the song to you. Maybe you've just simply declared your love. Maybe, maybe you dressed a certain way that you would never dress and you would feel very like, uh, uncomfortable in, but you did it because you loved your significant other. You're expressing love publicly and just, you're not caring about what anyone else thinks because all that matters is what that person thinks and all that matters is you expressing your love towards that person. I think that's where she was. Nothing else mattered in that moment. And here's what she does next. She pours perfume over his feet and it had to feel like everything was moving in slow motion when she got to this point. You ever feel that? You're, you're maybe observing something whether it's a ceremony, uh, something that just seems so out of place, and it feels like everything is in slow motion. I think that's maybe what it felt like to everyone observing this. Like, what is she doing? But you know what? She accomplished what she set out to accomplish, to honor Jesus. So here's this alabaster jar that had to be broken open in order to be poured out. It would have been an expensive gift. It it actually um, would have taken a year's wage from a day laborer to to acquire an alabaster jar like this of ointment, of perfume. So this represents an extraordinary sacrifice on this woman's part. Think of her poverty. Think of her, um, her past. So here are her actions considered outrageous, inappropriate, and offensive, culturally that is, but not to Jesus. Verse 39, Simon's response to this spectacle happening before his eyes is actually quite revealing. Simon is thinking as this is all unfolding in his house, by the way. She doesn't belong here. I mean, her her actions are impure, they're inappropriate, and Jesus of all people should know this. I mean, a prophet? No. I knew it. He's no prophet. If he was a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman is touching him. So Simon clearly doubts Jesus' identity. I mean, it's like this. He's thinking, the godly don't associate with the wicked. Remember, he's part of a separatist movement. Jesus is allowing this shameless behavior to take place. He must not be a prophet. So Simon judged Jesus, and he judged this woman, and all of it to himself under his breath. But Jesus wasn't going to let him get away with it. Second, we see costly love of a forgiven sinner. You know, ironically, Jesus answers Simon's secret thoughts. The one who Simon says isn't a prophet was reading his thoughts. (laughs) So he's about to show Simon what's going on in his heart and in the woman's heart. Now, how does he do this? He tells this simple and profound parable. This beautiful parable that oftentimes can be just looked over because it's just kind of 
It's a, it's a short story. But look in verse 40. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he, he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simple story. You have 500, we could say denarii or dollars. This would equal really in their day 20 months of work. That's a lot of money. So really it's not $500, it's much more than that. Or, and we have someone who owes 50, which equals two months of work. Which is going to love more? I mean, we get the point. One owed far more than the other, but neither could pay off the debt. You don't have to be a genius to answer the question that Jesus asks. And Simon gets it right. The one who owed more. He says, you've judged correctly. In other words, even though you judge me, Simon, and you judge this woman incorrectly, you got this one right, so so keep listening. He says in verse 44, do you see this woman? Do you see her? I know you've seen her in the past and you've, you've had an idea of what she's like, but do you really see her? I mean, Simon could only see her as she used to be. He couldn't see her for who she had become. You see, what she had been, what she had done was in the way. And that's all Simon could see. Simon was concerned with boundaries, but Jesus was was tearing down these boundaries that Simon had had put up. He was showing the boundless love of God. And so Jesus firmly but graciously begins to, to really push the point with Simon. And what's revealed in this story? You know, even though Simon had invited Jesus into his home, you know what? Simon hadn't treated Jesus as an honorable guest. He wouldn't have uh, treated him the way you would expect a guest to be treated. See, a host in his day, would have been expected to do a few things, like provide water for the guests' feet so they could wash their feet, Uh, to kiss, uh, to greet their guests with a kiss, to anoint their head with oil, just common olive oil, an expression of hospitality. And by not providing basic hospitality, Simon the Pharisee is treating Jesus rudely. I mean, he's treating him with disdain. He's snubbing Jesus. He's actually shaming Jesus publicly because, remember, everyone's watching is he trying to humiliate jesus i think so i want you to imagine treating a guest like this i know you're not going to pour oil on my head if i come to your home i don't want you to you don't need to wash my feet you don't even need to kiss me but what do you need to do culturally greet me shake my hand welcome me in but imagine if i get to your house and i just hear you yell yeah the door's open Go ahead. Come on in. I don't know why you would have a New York accent or even if that was a New York accent. If you're from New York, I'm sorry. Come on. Come on in. You're not saying make yourself at home. You don't come out to greet me. I'm just like, uh, looking around. That would be very odd. Now imagine if, if you were welcoming someone who was 
honored, who was respected, not, not that I'm not, but someone even uh, more so, like, I mean, just maybe a public figure, maybe uh, a, a politician, maybe a musician, I don't know, someone who deserves honor. And here, here he is, or she is, and you do nothing to greet them. It's disrespect. Well, what Simon is doing is disrespect times a hundred. He's humiliating Jesus publicly. He didn't treat him as an honored guest because he didn't think of him or his teachings as honorable. So Jesus calls Simon out publicly in front of everyone who's gathered. And he uses this woman as an example. And the result is this strong contrast. And he honors her before everyone present. I mean, look what he says. Verse 44, Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. She has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. The uninvited sinner does what the host should have done. The tables are turned on Simon. So everyone in the room would assume the Pharisee had the greatest love for God. And yet Jesus honors a known sinner for her costly love, this expensive, expressed love to God. And verse 47 tells us why. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. And it's not that Simon's sin was little in God's eyes. It was little in his own eyes. What's the conclusion? Is her behavior shameful? Was it even erotic in keeping with her reputation? No. No, no. Her, her actions reflect a newfound freedom. We can conclude, based on Jesus' words and actions, and her actions rather, that she's already begun this new journey as a disciple of Jesus. And we aren't told when or how this happened. But her love is a response to a a faith that's already there. So here she is. Her actions are this expression of gratitude. She's been forgiven her sin. So if you think you haven't sinned all that much, or that others need more forgiveness than you, it will undoubtedly impact the way you treat others. And it will undoubtedly impact the way you approach God. Again, It's not that Simon's sin was little in God's eyes. It was little in his. She wasn't there to pay back a debt like a prostitute who owes uh, someone something. She was there by her own free will as an expression of love. And here's what she did. She entered Jesus' humiliation, one who knew humiliation and shame. She entered Jesus' public humiliation And she brought him special honor, the honor he deserves. She did it through tears of repentance, tears of gratitude and awe, tears of hope and adoration. Overcome. You know, she could have gone to the temple and offered the appropriate offering of thanks to God. She could have done that. Actually, I don't think she could have in light of what she was in the past. But she doesn't do that. She went to the place of God's presence in Jesus to offer a sacrifice of thanks. And now either Jesus thinks more highly of himself than he should, and this is important, either Jesus thinks more highly of himself than he should, 
or he's worthy of this kind of love and thanksgiving. It's one, it's one or the other. It's not both. Either he thinks more highly of himself than he should, he's got a hu- huge ego, or he is actually worthy and he is the place that we should bring our thanks and praise for sins forgiven. Finally, offensive actions and costly love of Jesus. The story closes with Jesus breaking another cultural rule. He's already been breaking cultural rules. But what what does he do next? He speaks to her. He speaks to her. No rabbi, no teacher of the law would have openly spoken in public to a woman, let alone a former prostitute. And here's what he says. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus confirms what was already true. He confirms both her forgiveness and his authority to forgive. You see what he's doing there? Forgiven. You are forgiven. And I have the authority to do it. That's what he's saying. And then verse 49, uh, we see the guests. After they hear this, they ask the question that we're all meant to wrestle with. I mean, who is this that even forgives sins? And then he goes on to say to the woman, your faith. Faith is hope or trust, rest. If if I was going, you, you have faith that that chair is holding you up. You're resting your full weight on that chair. Faith, he says, your faith, faith always has an object that it rests in. It's not just faith in faith. Your faith, your faith has saved you. It has rescued you. It has delivered you. So go in peace, which speaks of restoration and wholeness. Jesus says to this woman, your faith, essentially what he's saying is your faith, your rest in me and the forgiveness that I have given you brings peace, wholeness, restoration. Now go, go, go in that, go in that peace. So here she is. She honored Jesus before everyone at the meal, and Jesus is now honoring her before everyone else, end scene, that's it, lights go down. What happens next? Where does she go? Well, what happens to Simon? What does he decide to do? What about all the guests? What about all the people? What, I mean, we're going on a Chapter 8, I get that, but what happens to the woman? We're not told. How is Simon going to respond? We're not told. But we need to decide how we are going to respond. Payment for your sins came at a great cost to Jesus. Jesus' costly love at the cross was enough to cancel your debt and remove your shame. It's enough to overcome everything anyone has ever said to you or done to you. It's enough to overcome everything you're tempted to believe about yourself that isn't true. What others have said to you, what others have done to you, does not define you. What you have done in your past does not define you. When you stand before Christ and receive forgiveness, you receive a new identity in Jesus. Your past, what's been done to you, What's been said to you, how you feel about yourself, does not define you. New identity, sins forgiven, shame lifted. Through Jesus, God sees you as righteous. Through Jesus, he sees you as right in his eyes. Forgiven, because that's what you are. 
holy, and beautiful. And you know, it was enough for the woman. That was enough for the woman. And she was overcome with joy and praise. Is it enough for you? Is it enough for you? What Jesus did. I am not, I'm not content with studying this story and just commenting on it and then us going our way. I'm not content with that. I believe that the power of Jesus to forgive is right here today, just as it was in that day. How are we going to respond to the forgiveness that's offered to us in Christ? How are you presently responding if you've received forgiveness, which we believe, uh, I believe this woman had received it, but she was responding with this costly love, this expressed love to Jesus because of the forgiveness she received. How are you responding to forgiveness received? Have you received forgiveness? Has your love grown cold and indifferent to what God has done in Christ? Uh, Do you feel numb? You, You know what's crazy? This woman never says a word. Her actions speak for her. Your actions do the same. Mine do the same. Our actions give away what we really believe. So whatever you do, know that your actions will speak. Will you look to Jesus today? Will you look to him maybe for the first time for the forgiveness you desperately need? And if you've already done that, will you go to him and express this this costly, expensive love that he deserves? Offerings of thanks and praise. A life lived in response to grace, humbled by his mercy. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the work of grace you've done in Jesus. This redemption, this hope, this life, shame lifted, grace received, forgiveness ours, a debt paid, Lord, each one of us in this room, we know what it feels like to not be able to pay a debt or, or to have a debt lifted or to pay a debt off and the weight that's lifted. Lord, thank you for sins that are forgiven. But I know there are people in this room within the sound of my voice who have not gone to you to receive that forgiveness, who do not have the, the debt, the weightiness of their sin lifted from their hearts and off, off, their, their, uh, off their hearts. Lord, I pray that you would meet them right now where they are that they would express total and complete trust in your saving work in Christ today. That, Lord, you'd do this work in their hearts, that they would recognize their need for you, and that all of us, that all of us would respond with costly love, with expressed thanksgiving, that we'd be humbled and moved. And like this woman, overcome with emotion as we express our gratitude to you, Jesus, our Savior, and our King. Amen.